What's up, everybody? How's it going out there in the internet wrestling community land? It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, bringing you another edition of the Heal and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heal Turn Wrestling. What a week that we have. We're just continuing the positive momentum in some cases. And in some cases, the wheel is getting completely blown out by a three-inch nail. But other than that, uh, we are uh, doing well. And it is great, uh, so to speak, according to uh, Shiki Baby. We're going to be talking about Victory Road and the results at Notch. We're going to be talking about all the other wrestling that happened and occurred this week. And unfortunately, we are going to be hitting upon the biggest news story from the world of professional wrestling this week. But before I get there, I just want to quickly point your attention to the hottest pro wrestling fan t-shirt out there on the market today. You guys should know by now. If you don't know, now you know, fans. This t-shirt is amazing because, you know, you want to change your fall wardrobe up, right? You want to show your pride. You want to let everybody know that you're part of the biggest fan-oriented, fan-driven sports media site on Facebook today. So why don't you show your support by going to prowrestlingtees.com backslash heel turn wrestling. That's right. You can go to our site and you can... Take a look at all of our gear. You can rep it. Hey, you're allowed to go to independent shows now. You're allowed to go attend wrestling shows now. Well, for a while, anyway. You can check out Billy Alexander's Franchise Takes 5 podcast t-shirt. You can rep the brand by going to Heel Turn Wrestling's t-shirt. How about Alcoholic Adam's t-shirt right here? The best blogger and fantasy booker in the business. But, of course, if you want that drip, if you want that floss, if you want that flex then you can buy yourself a heel and face podcast t-shirt exclusively at prowrestlingtees.com. So just go there backslash pro wrestling tees. I'm sorry, backslash heel turn wrestling. And you can get some of our amazing gear. All your friends are doing it. It'll make you feel good. Good, 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 good. So how's everybody doing out there? You know, I have been all over the place as far as my emotions for professional wrestling this week. I do uh, want to uh, stay positive and note that some good things did happen this weekend. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but a lot of bad, and we'll mix it in intermittently. But we're going to just go ahead and get right to the news, which is... I never thought I'd be reporting much about this anymore, but here we are. New exhibition champion Josh Alexander cashes in option C, challenges impact champion Christian Cage at bound for glory. Uh, Hey, guys. Um, It's happening. Oops, sorry about that technical glitch. It is happening. Uh, This was kind of a shock, a little bit out of left field. We knew that Josh Alexander is one of the up-and-coming stars of Impact, and he's got a lot of a groundswell. People really like him, and here he is. He won the X Division Championship, and he immediately cashed in 
to face uh, Christian Cage at next month's Bound for Glory. Now, I'll admit, I don't know a whole lot, don't follow a whole lot of what is going on in TNA, in Impact. But I do know that every once in a while, they come up with something good. And everybody says, oh, no, Impact's getting really good. And every time Impact's getting really good, I end up getting hooked and then something happens. And they go dumb again. They go stupid. I mean, outrageous. And then I, I've already given them three strikes. So I don't know if I'm there yet to go back another time. I've already given them three strikes. So let's just see, though. Uh, as, as far as uh, the results go, we can uh, run down the results really quick. Uh, just to let you know, the uh, first match for the Victory Road was the former Steve Cutler of the Forgotten Ones, the Forgettable Ones in NXT. Uh, Steve Mackling uh, defeated TJP and P. Williams in a triple threat match. And, uh, you know, P. Williams performed the Canadian Destroyer. He's the best in the business at it. Next match was a fatal six-way or a six-way dance or whatever you want to call it. Six-way surprise, six-way showdown, uh, whatever you want to call it. It was with uh, Black Tarouche, John Stryker, Jake something, who is coming to Ohio in about a month, by the way. You should check him out. Uh, the Laredo Kid and Trent Miguel, another Ohioan. And the Laredo Kid won, I'm pretty sure, because AAA is really trying to push hard for their – stars to be internationally known, just like WWE would, just like New Japan would. So no problem there. Tennille Dashwood with the influence. I didn't think there was a thing, but I guess it is a thing. Um, Madison Rain and Caleb with a K, who's working on his best gimmick, uh, continuing it on to date, uh, versus Taylor Wilde, who I didn't think was wrestling anymore. So it's a big surprise to me with Jordan Grace, Thick Mama Pump herself, and Rachel Ellering in the, her corner. Things happen. Uh, Taylor Wilde hits that crazy German suplex with a bridge where her ankles kind of fold in to get more leverage, and she defeats Danielle Dashwood. Uh, next match, uh, Rohit Raju with Shara, who was another guy who I didn't think was wrestling anymore, uh, versus Matt Cardona. It was a no DQ. Anything could happen, and anything did happen as there was an appearance by Matt Cardona's Girlfriend and wife, I think, now they got married or they're getting married very soon. Uh, Chelsea Green. So she came in, the um, the current uh, NWA Empower Cup winner and I think number one contender for the belt. Came in and did things and Matt Cardona ended up winning. Bullet Club with new member Chris Bay and Kuleo who is uh, King Haku, Uncle Haku's son, versus Finn Juice in an N, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling kind of showdown showcase. Uh, if the uh, Impact Wrestling uh, Championship can get it turned around and get the belts finally off, the used-to-be-good brothers, um, they would have something going here definitely as far as a tag division. In the end, Bullet Club wins because Bullet Club is just too sweet and defeating Finn Juice uh, with, uh, I think, Hikaleo hit a sit-down slam 
pick up the victory. Next was just the weirdest conceptual match, I think, that was on the card. Moose and W. Morrissey, the former Cass from WWE, versus two longtime enemies, now erstwhile friends, Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards, and randomly, Eddie's wife, Alicia, who's still apparently trying to give pro wrestling a go, despite someone telling her not a good idea. I did see that she took the softest powerbomb. It looked like me powerbombing my son onto the bed at night when I tuck him in. Uh, yeah, this was a match. It was a thing. And uh, Moose and uh, Morrissey uh, ended up winning. So, I don't know if that's a thing or not, but it, it exists. If Moose and Morrissey can get the belts off of the we were good way before being good was cool, brothers, and bring them back to Impact, then uh, you might have something, but it won't happen. And by the way, who was, who was telling Alicia to get involved? I, I don't know. Was she even knockout? I don't even care. I don't even know. Uh, speaking of knockouts who actually can wrestle, the Knockouts Tag Team Championship uh, was fought between Decay, uh, Havoc, and Rosemary, who I do have a soft spot for. Really do like Rosemary a lot. Uh, versus Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans. The winners retained. Um, I guess that's no that that's not a that's like a no brainer, right? And then we get to the Impact World Championship Tag Team Championship match with. The only good because everyone else heard we were good brothers versus Rich Swan and Willie Mack. Rich Swan and Willie Mack make an awesome tag team anyway, but this has a little more gravitas, I think, because they fought the Good Brothers, and sure enough, uh, the Good Brothers, for no real good reason, retained the belts. Again, I'm just giving you results. I didn't watch it. And then uh, the, here's here's where the night got rolling. Here's where everything kind of came to a head. I'm not saying there wasn't action throughout. It seems like there was. It seems like some of these matches were a lot better than anybody anticipated. But this is where now we're setting things up for the next pay-per-view. Exhibition Championship between Josh Alexander and Chris Sabin. Alexander uh, def uh, defended his title against Chris Saban, who is on a way on a tear to um, reclaim a lot of his old past and kind of look for that old glory. But in the end, Josh Alexander defeated Chris Saban to retain his championship belt. And then immediately after the match, Josh Alexander calls for option C and immediately uh, challenges the winner of the Christian Cage versus Ace Austin match for the Impact World Championship, who ended up actually being Christian Cage anyway, defending his belt. So right after that match was over, Josh Alexander goes in and he uh, he uh, executes option C. So uh, looks like would have been a decent match, a decent lineup if I had the time to, to watch it. And uh, some good highlights again. Hikaleo debuts uh, on Impact, and then Chris Bay is officially in Bullet Club. So we've got a lot going on. And, you know, Impact's got some things going on that we can all look forward to. So, yeah, option C. 
Josh Alexander and Christian Cage going to uh, go at it at Bound for Glory. Definitely something to look forward to. Something else that uh, we're going to look forward to in the world of professional wrestling that I am really starting to get behind. I'm really becoming a fan of uh, this promotion, and I think we all should too. And in a world where um, there's a lot of debate as to as a what real, quote-unquote, professional wrestling should be, uh, there is a promotion that is just under the radar they have a couple of different little mini deals with different broadcast outlets. They have been taking advantage of being viral and being on YouTube and not caring and all that stuff. And they are just, just doing a really nice job of um, bringing quality professional wrestling back without overextending, without overreaching, and without kind of cloying or or uh, settling for the masses. Um, they're just doing their thing, and it looks awesome. And I cannot wait that Major League Wrestling, MLW, has announced Fightland for Thursday, October 7th on Vice TV. And I think YouTube, but I'm not 100% sure. And you have got to be there. This is the fight. This is the match that we deserve as wrestling fans right now. Champion versus champion. You have the Samoan Werewolf the leader of Contra Unit, Jacob Batu, last year's heel and face wrestler of the year, and the current world heavyweight champion of MLW versus Alexander Hammerstone, the national openweight champion. So this is belt for belt. This is champ for champ. This, I believe, is winner take all. And this is what's going to debut on Vice TV. Now, I just got... Uh, YouTube TV, and I'm pretty sure I have Vice TV on it. So I cannot wait for this to happen in a couple of weeks. It's going to be worth staying up for. I got a new 9 to 5 gimmick that, um, that I have to report for. And I'm trying not to stay up late. I'm trying to go to bed early like a good little boy. But unfortunately, this is making it hard for me, especially on a Thursday. I think I'm going to stay up and watch this. This match is coming to a head, and it's going to be very interesting. Not only that, we're going to see a women's bout. I believe this is one of the first women's matches MLW had on a major card. For one reason or another, don't read into it like any anything. Just say, hey, this is... A big deal because it's a women's uh, match on a major MLW card. I'm pretty sure they're going to start uh, forming their own women's division and belts very soon. But also, somebody is entering the Opera Cup, a familiar face, someone whose skill set is perfect for MLW and perfect for the Opera Cup. And I'm talking about Bobby Fish. So he was let out of jail, he was let out of purgatory, and now he is coming to MLW to make a huge statement that he's not done yet and he can go on his own. And to be honest, I've said it on this podcast before, I am looking forward to a babyface Bobby Fish. I think that's the one final run that Bobby Fish hasn't had that he needs to have, like a true babyface. He's been a tweener, he's been a heel multiple times, but I think he could be a pretty good babyface if he gets marketed right. 
and all will that that'll all be happening on Fightland, the first round of the 2021 Opera Cup. So there's a lot of good happening. There's a lot of positivity happening from MLW. Something to look forward to. But just like life, life is a balance, and you have to take the good with the bad. And unfortunately, right now, Vice TV is not only the purveyor of the good of professional wrestling, but it's, they're also the purveyor of the bad of professional wrestling. And here's where it gets a little dark. So if there's any time where you may want to tune out and come back in a little while, uh, if you're just sick and tired of discussing this, if you're upset, uh, I'm going to try not to offend. I'm just going to try to make some points about this as I can um, and uh, still stay uh, st still stay impartial. Uh, but, uh, you know, right is right and wrong is wrong. And just this whole – the whole thing is blowing my mind right now. And the fact is that Vice TV has – just released their latest episode of Dark Side of the Ring. And of course, it just so happens to be the Plane Ride from Hell episode. And because of the culture we live in, cancel culture, woke culture, whatever you want to call it, people are now wanting to cancel Ric Flair, which this is one of those instances I get. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't simple fact of what Ric Flair did 20 years ago and blah, blah, blah. But the fact that Tommy Dreamer became the answer to a question that no one ever asked and decided to weigh in his terrible take. And I think he took hero worship just a little too seriously. And uh, it is not looking good for him. As a matter of fact, as of me preparing the show for you guys, uh, Tommy Dreamer has been suspended indefinitely from Impact, speaking of Impact. And he has uh, been reprimanded by Ed Norholm from Impact. And I'm not sure who knows if he still has a relationship with SiriusXM or not. So this story is all over the place. It's all over the place for a ton of different reasons. And um, I, I know I wrote down here in the graphic caddish behavior. I, I'm not trying to undersell it at all. Now, we all know that this story is probably 20, 25 years old by now. It does not excuse the behavior. Absolutely. I want to be 100% clear. I am not sticking up for Ric Flair. If he was uh, on uh, serious drugs and drinking too much and trying to be one of the boys and he uh, forced a stewardess to grab him in his privates, there is no excuse for that. I don't care how old you are. So this is why uh, the impetus for Ric Flair to be canceled is coming uh, right now. Now, I will say that the facts are the facts. The facts are that the plane ride from hell happened. It was 20 years ago. And the woman who did the interview for Dark Side of the Ring did end up settling out of court with WWE. Those are facts. But other things that we do know is, is that sexual assault can have multiple effects 
that are lingering, that are forever. She even said it herself during the episode. This is going to stay with me forever. There's no amount of money, no amount of payoff, and no amount of bribery that is going to stop this woman from waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat because she was sexually assaulted by a 60-year-old man wearing nothing but a feather robe. Now, what Tommy Dreamer was trying to say very indelicately and absurdly, by the way, was that this was something that Ric Flair has done his entire life. And I don't know about the sexual assaults. The 70s and 80s were a way different time. The 70s and 80s, I'm sure there were no shortage of flight attendants willing to go along with whatever shenanigans Ric Flair was up to. And as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure a man in his mid-20s who was making a ton of money and being flashy and being macho uh, probably was not uh, hurting for female companionship. I'm sure a lot of things went on and a lot of things were more open. That still doesn't excuse the behavior. And it certainly still doesn't excuse Ric Flair actually grabbing the woman and putting her hand on his penis. That does not excuse her behavior, his behavior at all whatsoever. I know the boys in the back have stories about Ric Flair. That's what he would do. He would get drunk and walk down the plane uh, aisle naked. Okay. All right. Especially when you're around the boys. I get it. There's a lot of childish behavior that has been eliminated uh, in the locker room these days. I know some veterans uh, roll their eyes and say, all these kids want to do these days is stare at their phones and play video games. To which Austin Creed, uh, Xavier Woods, came out and said, would you rather have us be addicted to drugs and getting into fights on airlines? Which was a very valid point. So this, uh, the business has gotten better because of uh, the plane ride from hell and other instances. The disturbing parts of it were that I was led to believe that Vince McMahon not only knew it was all happening, but egged a lot of it on. Maybe I'm conflating two stories. I was also uh, under the impression that this was also the plane ride where Vince McMahon kept trying to double leg Kurt Angle in the aisle and Kurt was trying to fight him off and Kurt was caught between, do I choke out the boss and the multi-million dollar CEO of a company? Um, there was also a little more disturbing events of this that didn't get really over, uh, uh, really reported as, as much. Uh, the whole incident with uh, Dustin Rose uh, sadly opining a love song to Terry Reynolds, who was sitting up with management. They recently got divorced, but he wanted her back. Uh, in that all incident, um, it was actually documented in a subpoena. It's actually legal documentation that says that Dustin Reynolds also sexually assaulted the second stewardess to the point where she would not come out and serve the wrestlers anymore. Uh, she was grabbed in her on her breast and on her uh, on her legs, and. Uh, yeah, Dustin Rhodes apparently doesn't remember it. And uh, Ric Flair was also approached for a comment. He refused to comment because I think it said something effective. He didn't want to talk about things that happened in the past. I don't think that's a great excuse. I mean, Bill Cosby says the same thing practically, and he actually went to prison for a while. So I'm not hero worshiping. It doesn't change the fact that Ric Flair is the greatest professional wrestler of all time. It does change the fact, however, that I think Rick's indiscretions went underreported and it was even mentioned. 
the reason why Rick didn't get uh, scolded as much by Vince is because as uh, I think as the former Aldo Montoya slash Just Incredible PJ, oh, what's his name, said, uh, because uh, Flair was a made man. I was also shocked, again, like I said before, to know that Vince's involvement was almost non-existent and he left JR to do the dirty work, which is a little shocking, but also typical of somebody in Vince McMahon's shoes, Vince McMahon's stature. Um, very similar to how a mob boss runs things. You know, a mob boss doesn't want to get their hands dirty. Uh, so they send uh, their hirelings, they send their underlings, they send their uh, bosses to do the dirty work for them. And that's what Jim Ross had to do. He had to go do the dirty work for Vince McMahon. And uh, that also included firing three guys when they came back to Connecticut. So this is a disturbing story, of course. It's a story that keeps getting re renewed and, and retold. And I'm kind of glad it does in different ways because I heard that it was the plane ride from hell, but um, I did not hear that it was as bad as most wrestling fans know it to be. And I'm kind of glad in a way. I know there's some criticisms. I know uh, people are saying, well, Vice, why are you even bringing this up? This is 20 years old and it doesn't do anybody good. And Ric Flair's an old man. What are you going to do? He's already gotten his uh, life turned around and it seems like he's on a positive track. Why are you doing this? I mean, honestly, if you want to think about it, uh, you know, Rick is trying to put the past behind him and he's made a lot of, uh, uh, reparations as far as repairing his relationship. He's admitted he was a terrible father. He admitted he's been a terrible husband twice. He has largely apologized for the, the dumb things that he's done and the dumb decisions that he's made in his life. But it still doesn't excuse the fact that he sexually assaulted a hostess on an airline flight. So um, this is the reason we do journalism, to get these stories out there, to get the truth out there, to get really what happened out there, to hold people accountable. And you just can't be doing this thing anymore. And like somebody said in the, uh, I think Mike Kyoto, somebody said in, at, at the end of the show, that this was a direct cause for people to become way more professional, consider the company they keep, consider uh the rampant drug use and abuse that went on behind uh, the scenes and also to, um, you know, change the whole attitude of how the boys treat each other in the back. And again, I agree with Xavier Woods. I'd much rather have 20 guys in the back playing video games and uh, going to bed early than I would having Ric Flair be up at 3.30 in the morning with half-naked women running out of his dorm room, which apparently didn't bother Tommy Dreamer all that much. Because if it's one thing for a uh, torrid, shameful story about an elderly old man uh, abusing a woman on a flight, but it's another thing to double down on it the way Tommy Dreamer did. Dreamer's comments during this episode were abominable and sad and yes, okay, I am not a canceler. I'm not a cancel culture person. I am not woke. <laughs> I'm unwoke. Um, I am not someone who is going to destroy or, or go after or dox anybody for their expressions of opinion, their freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is the number one thing we have. 
not just as an American, not just as a as a as a podcaster or whatever, as as a human being, my right to express myself does not does not supersede. I don't care what anybody says, um, and I don't mean to get this on a political rant or anything, but my freedom of speech supersedes most other people's rights in the world, not just because I'm a human being first and foremost. It doesn't matter what country I'm in. The United States is the only country to ensure that people have the freedom of speech, which ain't happening in the other 300 or so. But sorry about that soapbox. I just want to express that again. I, I'm not a doxer. I'm not a culture canceler. I don't want to see people fall just because they express an opinion that is unlike yours. However, there is a difference between that and what Tommy Dreamer said. And as a matter of fact, I do support the flip side of that, which is you do not escape the consequences of the things that you say. If you say something that's unpopular, you better be ready for the ramifications. And if you say something utterly stupid, I don't feel bad for you that people want to come after you and cancel you. I don't feel too bad that Tommy Dreamer got suspended. I know it's a bad practice and really it's a meaningless gesture because TNA Impact is just worried about the look that it's going to look like. What do you mean you have this guy on staff? You know, we're in a kind of culture now where we're getting called out all the time. Businesses are getting called out all the time. But the problem is, unlike the past, when businesses would just churn along and not worry about the criticism, these days, with all the woke people that are involved with business these days, that you almost have to capitulate. You almost have to concede. You almost have to because uh, your reputation will be destroyed um, for one minor incident. And that's what Impact chose to do. They chose to suspend. They didn't fire Tommy Dreamer because I'm I'm sure that might be a lawsuit. As far as SiriusXM Satellite, I don't know if he's still on Busted Open Radio or not. I'm pretty sure SiriusXM has stricter codes than Impact does. I wouldn't be surprised if he lost his job with Busted Open Radio. But um, as far as the stupidity of what he said, I don't have uh, – I'm not crying – I'm not leading the charge for Tommy Dreamer to get his job back, if if that's what, uh, if if that's to put it plainly. So, sorry, Tommy, it was a dumb thing to say. Uh, you shouldn't have said it. And he doubled down on it. Basically, he said everybody gets offended by everything these days. I'm wearing a double ponytail. That means that I'm offending somebody. And he knew as soon as he closed his eyes and shut his mouth after he said it, he knew he said something stupid. That was recorded for a television show. So I don't have any simpy whatsoever for Tommy Dreamer. If he would have said it more delicately, if he would have maybe been more deferential, if he would have maybe considered her feelings, the woman who was assaulted. And by the way, Tommy Dreamer's out here talking like he doesn't have two full-grown twin daughters either. That how would he feel if his daughters were working in a situation to where a creepy 65-year-old man um, made them grab their privates? So, I mean, Tommy kind of lost this take this week, and hopefully he can recover, but I'm not, uh, I, I'm not uh, leading the charge for him to get his job back if he doesn't. So, unfortunately, another thing that has beset the wrestling world, a little bit of sadness.
But don't fret. It's not all bad, or at least most of it's not bad. There's some positivity that can come out of this. And some people are actually working in a positive direction toward uh, helping the wrestlers. And I can kind of applaud this, to be honest with you. Um, while I don't know if I'm a fan of unionization, and I'm not saying that because I'm some WWE fanboy, Vince McMahon mark. Clearly, I'm not. I'm just not a fan of unions in general. Again, sorry for the political rants. But I do think, however, that Vince McMahon's practices as far as talent relations and how he considers talent to be a part of the WWE needs to be scrutinized. And someone who has been taking Vince McMahon to task on this is one-time presidential hopeful, one-time New York City mayoral hopeful, now all-around good dude, Andrew Yang, who has apparently had a conversation with someone in the Department of Labor as it is opposed to the definition of a independent contractor. And what he wrote was, had a call with the Department of Labor. If you are a current or former WWE performer who feels you are misclassified as an independent contractor, contact LK Middle B and let's get you what Vince owes you. Been a long time coming, but this storyline is real. Now, I'm not stupid. If I was a current WWE employee, I am absolutely not contacting Andrew Yang because they be cutting people, yo. But I do like his sentiment. And I understand there was some criticism from some wrestling fans about why are you worried about this now? Why are you trying to get involved now? A little late. Well, actually, it's not late. So if you follow Andrew Yang, someone who should have at least been nominated for the vice president of the Democratic Party, along with... Tulsi Gabbard as the president, and she would have won. But, you know, again, sorry to get too political. Andrew Yang has taken it upon himself to really take a hard look as an entrepreneur, as someone who is a expert businessman, someone who's done things morally and ethically the right way and followed some good practices. He decides to pay it forward by getting involved in the politics of this thing. And he's getting involved with politics of work. So he skews a little more liberal, obviously, because he's a Democrat. But he has some really practical ideas as far as labor and work. He's been very adamant about um, artificial intelligence taking over manufacturing jobs. Uh, he's been very concerned about the growing number of self-driving trucks taking away from truck drivers. He is very concerned about uh, automation taking over jobs. And he uh, reintroduced uh, universal basic income. That's not a bad thing on the surface. I know deeper levels deserve more scrutiny, but at least he's trying. I mean, at least he has ideas. And one of these ideas is he wants to challenge the idea of being an independent contractor simply because with this economy, gig work and independent contracting has become such a vital part of our economy in the last five to 10 years, especially with the pandemic, that it's important to take a look at, at them. And if you think he's just coming along for the ride just to get in for some reason, some which I've heard, by the way, uh, was a ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, uh, Andrew Yang has been working on this for quite some time. This has been a passion of his to really help uh, reform a lot of things that happen in the work world. And when he found out that Zelina Vega had the I support unionization uh, tweet that 
caused her to get fired the first time. And then she was contacted by the uh, president of SAG and was talking about how it might be possible in the future for pro wrestlers to become SAG members, which would guarantee them insurance. I don't know how I feel about that if I was an actor, but that's another debate for another time. But at least the fear was put into Vince to where they eventually hired Zelina Vega back. But at least Andrew Yang is further, excuse me, furthering the competition, uh, the conversation about this. Me personally, if you're an independent contractor, you should work wherever you want. And Vince is being very coy, straddling that fence between in legalese between what an independent contractor is and what an independent contractor isn't. Just because he signs an independent contractor to a contract doesn't mean that that person has is beholden to him, is going to stay or legally even forced to stay or go. Uh, they can leave whenever they want. Do you, don't you think that over half of those wrestlers who heard the plans would have left? I mean, it's I'm shocked that Adam Cole didn't leave before he left, uh, despite the fact that Adam Cole did dispel the rumors that he was going to come in as Keith Lee's manager. He denied that outwardly. But other than that, like if, if you think that you're getting booked wrong or you're not getting used or or if you want to go somewhere else or whatever, 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 uh, there should be no pressure from WWE to do that. And yet here we are. So Vince does not want to treat wrestlers like employees, but he wants them to be employees and he cannot have it both ways. And Andrew Yang is willing to take it to the mattresses, as we say, to get this thing changed for the betterment of workers and the benefit of professional wrestlers around the world. So maybe that's a ray of sunshine in that regard. There's another ray of sunshine that happened in the pro wrestling world. And I'm going to tell you about it. Plus we're going to talk about how AEW got a lot better. And unfortunately NXT got a lot worse going to take a short break and when we come back we'll discuss all those things i'll take a deep breath i'll get a drink and we will continue with the heel and face podcast brought to you by heel turn wrestling be back in a few all right we're back how's it going everybody it's me it's me the big old stevie c talking at you about the world of professional wrestling on the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news information and commentary about the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. And let me tell you what, this whole new media thing is a lot of fun to do. I know I only do this for a hobby. Um, my uh, son's best friend was trying to roast me about I only make a certain amount of money uh, when I post the audio version on your favorite podcast streaming service he was trying to say you don't make any money off of this yeah i know this again this is kind of a hobby i got the nine to five gimmick right i made a ton of money on my last paycheck i have a nine to five gimmick now so i just do this for fun uh whatever i gain off of this who knows who knows where this is gonna go but i do know that i have a lot of fun with it and i, I go a lot of different places and i'm even trying to earn a little crypto money uh cryptocurrency on the side if you will so I just wanted to hip you guys to all of my places that I uh, be at on the interwebs. And I just go to a lot of different places. Look, I'm, I'm not just on Facebook. you got to diversify, right? you got to make sure that you're accessible to everywhere. So not only am I here on Facebook Live at 5 o'clock every Sunday, but I'm also on Minds where 
you can upvote me or you can sponsor me and uh, you can give me the uh, the computer money. And that's great, too. They, they operate mostly on Ethereum on mines. So you can do that. You can uh, get with me on Locals. You can upvote me there. Of course, you know that I'm on the Twitter machine. And, uh, you know, where else? I don't know. I'm going to have to get a link tree uh, to see what that's like and, and try to, you know, do that from there. Uh, but you can find me at Heal and Face Podcast on all social media streaming platforms, all the big ones, and maybe some of the small ones. We'll find out. We'll see how fast we can grow. And uh, if you uh, want to, uh, you can, I know that the graphics seems a little confusing, but if you want to, if you don't have time or you can't join me live on Facebook, you can definitely go to your favorite audio podcast streaming service and you can Listen to me there. So listen to me on the way to work, on the way back home from work, when you're doing the laundry, you know, when you're tuning out your significant other who complains that you watch too much wrestling, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, do it with me. That'd be great. Well, as I said, there was some joy this week. Something did happen. And although it did smack a tad bit of desperation on WWE's part, uh, to go ahead and pull the trigger on this is just something that just it, it brought a lot of people a lot of joy, including myself, because I'm a, I like this guy. Um, this is a homegrown talent, so to speak, of WWE, and they should be proud that it finally happened. Biggie wins the WWE Championship randomly on Raw. So this is something definitely to be happy about. This is something definitely uh, to rejoice in. The fact that Big E is now the WWE uh, Universal or Heavyweight Champion. Uh, he cashed in and won on Monday Night Raw against Bobby Lashley. I assumed that he would have a much bigger platform to beat Bobby Lashley with. The, the fact that the WWE draft is coming up this week, I think, or next week, I thought maybe they would wait to, to draft uh, Big E back to Raw and then do it that way. But no, why wait, I suppose, for something when you can have it immediately? And I guess that's what happened. Big E uh, coming through with the belt. And yes, a little bit desperate. This is Vince's attempt at trying to generate buzz. I feel like Big E's bigger moment, like either at WrestleMania or Royal Rumble or something like that, was kind of taken from him. But you know what? Again, I, I, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. I will take it. I will take Big E becoming champion, by the way. And I uh, want to uh, confirm a long, long run for um, uh, Big E tour. I uh, want to see him with the belt for a long time. And uh, I wouldn't mind if he does go back and forth between Raw and SmackDown. I think that would be great. I think that would be a fun move. He can antagonize and stick it in uh, Roman Reigns' face, which is what he definitely did Friday. And by the way, his attire with The New Day, but The New Day were uh, situated like the Fuji's album, was super dope. Check it out. It was pretty good. Um, they did a last-minute change. It was something that they – did not plan for uh, necessarily. It was it was shocking to no one. Uh, the decision to put the belt on Big E was a last minute decision. 
by Vince and his scatterbrained last minute triple writing of the show. I don't understand why anybody would want to be a writer for WWE. It's insane the amount of pressure that goes on that place. So I'm again not going to complain about a good thing and I'm going to congratulate Biggie on his accomplishment winning the WWE championship. I can dig it. And that positivity, that positivity was spread all over except for NXT. I don't know what to say. I did check it out, NXT 2.0, because I felt like I had to. I've been invested in NXT for three, four years now, as soon as it was brought up. And it was what it was. Yes, you can tell that they were trying to put over new stars. Yes, you could tell all night. It was painfully obvious. I mean, at some point, I was imitating Snoop Dogg going, who? Who? Because I couldn't tell literally anybody. And it, was not, it wasn't like, hey, this is some buildup or this guy's popular on YouTube or he's got a huge Instagram following. This was like, here's a random new dude. Here's a random new dude. Here's a random new dude. So... They're definitely going with the newer, younger vibe, which is what they already said they would do. Um, sacrificing a lot, sacrificing a lot of talent, sacrificing some good uh, storylines and results. And yet, by the way, um, the more things change, the more things stay the same. That's right. I'm just going to go ahead and jump to Fatal 4-Way for the NXT championship and uh, Tommaso Ciampa won it. So, you know, you, you claim to have a youth movement, but Ciampa wins the belt. And actually, it does make sense. It's legitimizing it. Um, Ciampa, I believe he's the what? Is he the th only third time uh, NXT champion? Don't know why they took it off Samoa Joe. I guess he's injured again. Um, who knows? Uh, the whole night was a little sad and confusing, and it was a complete rewrite. You could tell it was a complete rewrite. Um, the set looks like crap. It's just all awful and bad. The highlights were the debuting of uh, Rick Steiner's son. Shh, don't tell anybody. And the wedding. Those are the only two things that saved tonight's episode. So starting off hot, right? L.A. Knight, who deservedly is where he is, he's a top guy, man. And uh, the rumor is, is that he's just going to be moved up to uh, the main roster. It was really weird to see him because there was really no point for him to be there until you see Pete Dunne and Rich Holland jump Kyle O'Reilly from behind, only to be saved by random guy Vaughn Wagner. Get to him in a minute. So LA Knight's out there, and then the debut of Braun Breaker. You got that right. Breaker with two Ks. Not one, two. And if that name doesn't ring a bell, then maybe the name that he was supposed to go by up until, oh, Tuesday, Rex Steiner. That's right. Scott Steiner's son, Bronson Rex Steiner, got his debut. He is now being called Braun Breaker. So just when the NXT name generator got it 100% right, um, they tried it again, threw a monkey wrench and water on the whole thing and exploded it and came up with Braun Breaker. Now, as my friend Jason says, probably the reason that they gave him this name is because they don't want to copyright Steiner. Because then that would set up a whole legal 
Kane of Arms. I'm sure the last thing they want to do is give Scott Steiner any money. So came out as Braun Breaker, but it's so painfully obvious. I mean, all he needs to do is put on uh, headgear and, and complete the thing. Uh, a lot of people are saying he actually looks like a hybrid of Scott and Rick Steiner. And as a matter of fact, his name, Rex Steiner, actually made beautiful sense. Because not only would it have Steiner in it, but Rex, as you know, is a very popular name for a dog. So what better way to honor the dog-faced gremlin than to name yourself Rex Steiner, unless you're getting named as Braun Breaker. So either way, uh, kid looks good. Looks sharp. Looks like he was born to do this. I know that he's about two or three years removed from being on Baltimore uh, Ravens practice squad. I know that he's just an all-around gifted athlete. Didn't really go to school to wrestle, but he's got it. He's got it. And uh, he basically, I don't want to say squash because Ultimate Warrior, how often do you squash a veteran? Uh, and especially in short time. It, did, it took a while, actually. It took LA Knight, took, took, took a while, but it ended up, Broad Breaker just, you know, giving him those meaty Steiner clotheslines. I mean, he looked just like his dad giving a clothesline. And I know that it's very hard to be a second, third generation anything, let alone athlete, but you could do a side-by-side -side comparison of Scott Steiner, or Rick Steiner throwing a clothesline, and Broad Breaker throwing a clothesline. It looks exactly the same. So, there you go. Broad Breaker with his big, upset victory over the veteran LA Knight who uh, didn't affect him much because he got the open spot for the NXT championship when Kyle O'Reilly was declared unfit to wrestle. Well, we go from a breakout star, second-generation wrestler, to another breakout star, second-generation wrestler. And, uh, I mean, it must say something that these guys are this ready because it didn't take long for uh, Braun Breaker to be in the performance center. Excuse me. And I think it took even less time for Brooks Jensen. Oh, he is not a country star. Although he probably will turn into one, knowing how Vince is screwing things up. Uh, he found Josh Briggs. And like I said about Austin Theory, if buying Evolve meant to get Austin Theory and um, uh, Leon Ruff and Josh Briggs, then it was worth it. But Imperium took on Josh Briggs, who they've been waiting to do something with, and Brooks Jensen, who happens to be the son of former WWE star Bull Buchanan. And in his own right, Brooks Jensen is the Alabama heavyweight uh, champion. And he was all, he also in the NCAA for a while. I don't know what his record was there. Um, he was a weird, he was like a baby giraffe. He looked like he belonged, but he also looked lost at the same time. He wasn't fluid or smooth, but that says a lot when you basically just get hired and then you come in. So, did a really good job against Imperium. Two veterans that you know uh, are going to make you look good. I mean, in the Imperium one, because they do Imperium things, I think the NXT tag team division is in a lot of trouble if they don't get these guys and grizzled young veterans back into the mix. Maybe they'll have something with Briggs and Jensen, Brooks and Dunn. Maybe they'll come out in 10-gallon cowboy hats and spurs and chaps and whatnot and, and do some things and you know maybe borrow uh, uh, Raquel Gonzalez's old... Uh, old lariat and beat the crap out of people and who knows what craziness Vince has in store but they looked good so god bless them they were doing god's work next uh the hit squad the hit parade uh hit row whatever you call them and be real or be fat or whatever her name is uh versus uh the chilean female luchadora that was redundant uh cortez that they really like her and she's been around practically since the uh, NXT, uh, the Mae Young Classic, which 
that was what two three years ago and they still have her around so either she's on retainer or she's some type of ambassador they're keeping her around for a reason and she's not bad she's just a uh, talent enhancer to the star and bfap didn't do a whole lot which is smart don't make her do a whole lot and you'll be wanting more if she can go there's yet to be seen if she can really go in the ring but she looked good she's athletic she can talk it's happening it's a thing um next in order to solidify Vince McMahon's true stamp on the new and improved NXT, we got a boring 20-minute promo from Carmelo Hayes, who was supposedly exciting, but you couldn't tell by the segment. So Carmelo Hayes comes out, and he talks about how important it was to him to win the NXT breakout star and contract, and he comes out with some random dude named Trick Williams, who is, I guess, wrestling? Another fresh face. And as they leave, uh, before lulling the crowd of the crowd dead sleep, Duke Hudson, who is heel turn wrestling's personal favorite WWE wrestler right now, shout out to uh, all the Australians out there, our Australian contingent. Uh, Duke Hudson comes to the ring. He brushes through Trick Williams. They did a whole all. Oh, he didn't really just do that. And then they proceed to do a heel beat down on a heel. Uh, okay. So that happened, and we need to move on. One of the places, unfortunately, we need to move on to is another NXT star that is not debuting yet, but they're doing the classic WWE vignette teaser, where we're finding Tony D'Angelo walking the streets of wherever he is from to tell us about his life growing up. Uh... And the fact that he was um, a former uh, NCAA champion who apparently did things the right way, but he found out that making money is way easier when you are involved with what I'm involved with. And he made the strong implication that he is connected because, again, we're going with all of the completely ridiculous stereotypes. And uh, he's the first uh, a, a Italian businessman who also has a mullet that I know of. So, uh, anyway, Tony used to be a hockey player. I don't know. All I know is, is that this guy is, you know, stereotype. Check stereotype. Okay. Apparently, Vince is playing off of the resurgence of the Sopranos with the many saints of Newark, and he's all into that, and blah, blah, blah. I, I just don't get it. I mean, I, I guess, like, as an Italian-American, I am uh, not happy to see these stereotypes continue perpetrated. I know this is part of culture and whatnot, but it's just at this point completely unbelievable that some random dude is, is going to be, you know, is, is, has, has connections, you know. So we saw that, and we're just moving on now. It's not interesting. Speaking of not interesting, uh, Team Casey, Katie Candaro and Caden Carter, uh, uh, were uh, thrown around the ring by Gigi Dolan and JC Jane for a while until uh, Team Casey was about to win, and then they won by disqualification anyway because from the back, a new and improved, deranged Mandy Rose came out with a new gimmick, which basically means that she's just counting her days down until she can go work at AEW. 
And I wouldn't blame her if she did. Because this is crap. And it's just more crap. So they decided to beat down Team KC until Saray came out to even the score. And then uh, William Regal declared that this is now a three-woman tag match. Which went exactly how you thought it would go. And Mandy Rose won with a knee strike that's ten times better than Kenny Omega's. And beat Team KC plus Saray. So moving on to that. Um, speaking of Rich Holland, he came back and he squashed poor Drake Maverick, who is pretty much there just to enhance talent. And um, Triple H can't do anything about it because Triple H was the one who rehired him. And I'm sure you feel sorry for it. But there's nothing else for Drake Maverick to do. Uh, so he just gets beat up by the new green former rugby player. Uh, speaking of green and scary, as it may actually hurt somebody, uh, the Diamond Mine comes out. And they, for the second week in a row, bring out the Creed Brothers, former wrestlers, um, I believe Dave and Jake Casper, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the one who's Julius Creed, I believe his name is Jake. And he was a former Duke All-American. He was uh, one of the few uh, wrestlers from Duke to ever uh, win at the NCAA level like he did and, and was a champion there. And he's joined by his brother, Dave, who is Brutus Creed, which I think that's kind of funny. I think that's a little throwback now that I think of it to Ohio because Dave Casper did attend college in my backyard here in Westerville, Worthington area, uh, Otterbein College, that's right, where he was an NCAA champion in uh, Otterbein's division. So uh, we had a former NXT, or not former, we had a current NXT champion just kind of walking around uh, the streets over here. So that's good. Uh, they uh, brutalized and uh, almost injured uh, the two talent enhancers, and Dan Jarman and Trevor Skelly. Uh, at one point, they had a throw where one of the guys tried to put his arm out because he didn't know where he was going, and uh, he could have easily landed on the mat and twisted his arm, twisted his elbow, popped things, possibly sprained or broken a wrist, uh, because that's what happens when you get guys who have been wrestling in a performance center for three months. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is all WWE's initiative to make NXT a new, fresh uh, talent display, which basically means we're just taking people that we train and we develop. So good luck trying to get some guys over in a small arena. Nobody really cares. Um, but they do look vicious. I'm not saying they don't. The Creed brothers look awesome. They just they could use about a year of training before it come out. But what um, again, I said the, uh, the results from the Fatal 4-Way with uh, Tommaso Ciampa ultimately winning. Uh, we know that Von Wagner got uh, rewarded for saving Kyle O'Reilly by being put in this match. Von, by the way, if he looks familiar to you, he is or he should be because just like Braun Breaker and just like others... Von Wagner is, in fact, the son of, drumroll please, former WWE Tag Team Champion, Wayne Bloom, a.k.a. Blake Beverly of the Beverly Brothers. That's right. And my friend Jason joked and said maybe he'll pull out the Shaker Heights spike for the victory. That would be a lot of fun. As Von Wagner played, uh, played the tight end for a while in the NFL and then now so he did look good so the good thing is um, the good thing is is that 
the young guys who were supposed to look good looked good. And the second generation wrestlers didn't really embarrass themselves. They actually looked like they belong there. Um, it's just the guys who were green, guys who don't know what they're doing yet, are the ones that um, could possibly hurt people. But, you know, hey, if the Creed brothers gave off a Steiner vibe, a very psychotic vibe, and if they wrestle rough, well, the Steiners uh, bullied a lot of people, too. And I forgot to mention, by the way, speaking of the Creeds and Diamond Mine, we also were introduced to the female contingent of Diamond Mine, Ivy Nile, who, again, I went, who? Apparently, she won the Titan Games, and she's supposed to be a good athlete. So we'll just move. I really don't care uh, from that. But there was a confrontation, by the way, with an, another uh, female wrestler who was part of the Gato de Fantasma. Um, and I believe her name is as Esmeralda or something. Who knows? Um, anyway, she's just the female contingent, so she can take out Be Real. And that's all you need to know about that. But, of course, the thing that saved the night was the Index Wedding that was the best, and proves that once you do comedy wrestling right, it's beautiful. I know there's a rumor that Johnny Gargano's contract is very soon, and people are saying, was he going to resign? If Johnny Gargano is going to resign with WWE. He's going to be WWE for life. He's probably going to have a contract where he wrestles five to seven more years, and then becomes an agent, or then becomes a, a trainer, uh, because he's just too good to keep off TV right now. Um, the whole thing where his, his characters come 180, and now he's happy to see his daughter, Indy Hartwell, get married. Uh, hilarious. She's killing it right now as far as WWE goes. She can't do any wrong right now. Uh, she's so good with this whole uh, angle. She's taking a run with it. She's kind of the MVP of this whole thing. Um, Austin Theory coming back, and Johnny saying, you were supposed to have the rings. And he goes, I know, we're in a ring, silly. Just hilarious. Just good stuff. Uh, handsome Jiro. Uh, he come in. Having the rings, oh yeah! You know, the only guy dressed the way he is at the wedding. Everybody wearing a black glove for uh, for Dexter Loomis. Uh, Johnny telling the, the efficient to cut to the chase, and Andre Chase stands up and kind of gives us a glimpse into what his promo might be. And Odyssey Jones sits him down. Whoever has an issue, speak now for hold your peace. People start sheepishly raising their hands, and then Dexter Loomis shows the uh, throwing axe from the uh, axe throwing bachelor party. Hilarious, um, good stuff, good continuity throughout. Everybody, you know, didn't miss a didn't miss a beat. Uh, everybody who did something was awesome at it, and of course, the big payoff is the. Uh, mute, silent, uh, everybody's favorite sociopath, Dexter Loomis, uh, finally speaking just to say, I do. I mean, that was just perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Just a great way. And, and trust me, wrestling weddings suck generally, and uh, WWE weddings generally suck in particular, but this is one that was actually very cute and funny and entertaining, and uh, it really brought a lot of the personalities out of the people that you wouldn't normally expect to have their personalities out for. Uh, the only one that was not there, believe it or not, was Old Man Champa, who was in the back watching TV from an angle, because that's what you do in the NXT or WWE universe. When you're backstage, you watch TV at an awkward 35-degree angle. It is the rule. And as that's happening, and he's kind of contemplating what just happened, someone from the back steps up. And guess who it is? Braun Breaker, of all people, stepped up to challenge Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT Heavyweight Championship next week. That ought to be fire. That ought to be great. So the highlights of NXT did not uh, dissuade the general terribleness 
of NXT, the saddest that I felt that something good is being destroyed. So they tied up all the loose ends that they had with old NXT, and they, they're bringing new NXT forward. Everything old is new again, with Tommaso Ciampa being the heavyweight champion, even though there's the push for the youth movement. Uh, you see that things could possibly set up for the future, but it's it's just, there's no interest. There's no there's nothing keeping me wanting to go back. Uh, if, if you're going to take all the old NXT people and just clean slate it, and just get rid of everybody who's been there, like poor Paolo O'Reilly or whatever, then what are you going to have? Then what do you have left? You just have to rebuild, and you just and then of course Vince will blame no one watching because he doesn't have any stars, even though he's literally trying to create these stars. So he's just trying to have an excuse to get rid of NXT, and I think unfortunately at some point it's going to work, which makes me extremely sad because of all the time that I've invested in NXT, here we are, here we are, but. Fret not, because there was another show that actually made me feel really good. Actually, two shows, and I'm just going to mash them together and have some thoughts on them. Uh, that They were really, really good, and you're going to be shocked. I know people are going to be shocked to hear that it was, in fact, AEW, which was uh, good this week. Look, I'm not going to make any promises. I'm not going to sit here and DVR uh, AEW, okay? now, especially since I'm pretty good at I'm not going to sit here and make AEW appointment television. I've been burned twice already, and they are on their third strike. And I don't want them to be the third strike. Uh, but like I said earlier about Impact and Victory Road, I might actually have to give Impact a fourth strike. So overall, AEW was still pretty terrible. But the things that made it good uh, kind of outshadowed the stuff that made it bad. So let's just go ahead and just rewind from... Uh, Dynamite, and then I'll include because because Dynamite bled into Rampage, and I believe they were taped anyway. So, um, Adam Cole debut ring against the Elite Hunter Frankie Kazarian. We know that Frankie Kazarian is doing this now because he doesn't have anything left. He's kind of like a man without a country fighting against the Elite. But this is a quixotic endeavor. He's never going to beat the Elite especially the super elite. He figured out he picked a low-hanging fruit with the newest member of Adam Cole, but that didn't turn out well for him. That was a match. That actually was a good match. Lasted a while. Uh, Frankie Kazarian pulled out a couple of unique uh, submission moves that I didn't think he had. Uh, Cole came back, though, with his own submission moves and then hit him at the end with uh, the last shot, which they're not calling it the last shot. I don't know what they're calling it, but they're not calling it the last shot. And then... Uh, Cole proceeded to have story time. And poor Kaz, by the way, he's probably at the end of his career in the ring because if he can't at least get a DQ against Adam Cole, then it is what it is. Adam Cole continues to say that the three guys who've gotten under his skin are Lucha Express. So you do what you do when you're brand new is that you challenge Lucha Express along with your super best friends, the elites, to form the super elite and take on uh, Lucha Express in a three man tag match because that's all AEW does. All AEW is just one two-hour long multiple man tag match anymore. Uh, but it's going to work. Speaking of tag matches, something that we don't want to see, that we didn't think that we'd ever want to see, that we really care about, is brand new AEW tag champions will be taking on a butcher and on Rampage. That's going to put butts in seats, so to speak. Uh, Fuego del Sol uh, challenged Miro for the TNT Championship by putting his brand new uh, fiscally responsible economical car on the line with Sammy Guevara there. 
if they're breaking the uh, up, uh, they should do it sooner than later because they're still kind of loosely affiliated. And Chris Jericho seems to kind of think they're together, but whatever. MJF, of course, is MJF. MJF is stuck, and he's just waiting for his time to go to the WWE because his. He's getting wasted here. It's bad enough that he loses three to one in a feud to Chris Jericho, someone who doesn't need it. But now that he's kind of going to get sent back to the mid card, the leader of Pickle is now being sent back to the mid card. But the good news is we're going to get that Brian Pillman uh, feud, and we're going to elevate Brian Pillman hopefully to be a babyface in, in AEW. He already is. He's a natural babyface anyway, because you know his dad at times was a natural babyface or a natural heel. He was brilliant, kind of stepped outside the box anyway. But Brian Pillman Jr., it was funny, um, um, MJF, he's, he, he starts praying to Brian Pillman to ask him for guidance, but then he turns around and says, oh, hell, we all know the truth. And then he looks down at the ground, implying, of course, that Brian Pillman's final resting place is not in heaven, but the opposite. Um, and then he craps on Queens and says he's from Long Island, that kind of thing. And then Brian Pillman uh, becomes enraged and, you know, uh, I think he's I think he's taken... Uh, JR's advice because JR sounds like uh, because he knew Brian intimately, uh, he knew exactly what to do. So there were a lot of throwbacks in his mannerisms to his dad, like uh, leaping over the top rope and coming in with a lot of fire. They followed that up, ironically enough, with a Jim Ross interview with Brian Pillman. It was a studio interview where Brian Pillman basically laid out, you know, his beef. So that should be a good feud. It's just going to be, of course, wasted on, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, well, MJF is wasted on, on mid-card talent. Because I'm not saying Brian Pillman's not a superstar. That is incorrect by any stretch of the imagination. But he's just not going to be a superstar right now. He's, it's not like he's going to be challenging Kenny Omega for the AEW Championship anytime soon. But, uh, well, MJF certainly isn't because he's made his way back down the card. Um, Dante Martin and Matt Seidel hit FTR, which is a team that's most likely probably going to be done with AEW at the end of their contract. How ironic is it that FTR may actually quit AEW sooner than, than later? So uh, things are not going well. The match was actually really good because it was a nice conflict of styles. Uh, FTR can run a soul with anybody, and we're going to ignore the fact that they wore Midnight Express colored trunks to honor Bob Eaton. We're just going to ignore that, I guess. I'm not, but other people are. Uh, Dante Martin is really good. He's very long and lanky, um, kind of looking like a human tornado a little bit. He's jumping out of the building. There was one point where he's doing a high cross body on FTR, and his two thirds of his body actually left the the, the right, like left the, the the screen. So that was cool. He's just green and just needs to work on tightening a lot of his uh, stuff up. But believe it or not, his punches look really good. So for for all my criticism of all the new guys in AW who barely have wrestled ever in life, you know Dante's. Uh, Punches and kicks, strikes looked really good. So good for him. Uh, Suzuki gun. Oh, by the way, uh, of course uh, they lost. They hit uh, uh, Dante with the big rig and was over. Um, poor FDR. We'll see what happens. Uh, Suzuki gun cuts a promo behind stage. Like we're supposed to know or care that Lance Archer was in Suzuki gun and Minoru Suzuki was backstage um, calling out Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Um, Malachi Black made it down to the ring, um, called to, uh, attention to the enemy in our midst, who just happened to be Rosario Dawson. Who is she an enemy of? I don't know what she was doing there. She was obviously representing the Nightmare Factory. I don't know if it's part of their, uh, their, um, reality show or whatever, go big or go home. Maybe that's what it was. Um, she actually jumped, uh, Malachi Black, which I don't know if I would recommend that, but it happened. Cody Rhodes came down as America's savior to save the damsel in distress, who is, uh, 
looks like she can handle herself, but either way. Next, we also get a promo from arguably the best heel manager in professional wrestling, Dan Lambert, who brought uh, the rest of the top team down with uh, Dan Orlovsky, uh, Junior DeSantos, Paige Van Zandt, who I didn't realize she's part of top team, and she just had a bare-knuckle brawl lately, uh, and someone named Kayla Harrison. Uh, and then, of course, this is all to put over the real men, the men of the year, Scorpio Sky and all ego, Ethan Page. Um, uh, uh, Dan Lambert calls out Jericho, uh, calls out Fozzie, <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. Um, calls out the inner circle, a bunch of punks and blah, 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 uh, which set up him and Jake Hager versus somebody at Grand Slam. Two people from probably all Ego, Ethan, Page, and Scorpio Sky. And this is going to be the, this is going to be where uh, Jake Hager turns on Chris Jericho and eats him up in the ring and joins America Top TV. So you're hearing that from me first. Jade Cargill beat up poor, legit Layla Hirsch. And it's not as a factor of Layla Hirsch getting terrible again. Just the fact that Jade Cargill is that much better and she's a good athlete and she's marketable and she's getting the push. So it is what it is. We move on. Uh, Taz randomly came out and challenged CM Punk, accused him of taking his job, which led to uh, Punk getting choke slammed through the table by Powerhouse Hobbs and uh, Hooks standing there and basically doing nothing. It's not why he's there, but it is what it is. And then that's kind of where I fell off. I'll be honest with you. I did not watch. Uh, Darby Allen versus Sean Spears because I really don't care about Sean Spears anymore and I just found something else to watch. And then uh, I didn't watch any of the uh, interview with Kenny Omega and the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, uh, nor did I watch the main event of uh, Kingston and Moxley versus uh, 2.0. All I know is is that uh, Suzuki Gun hit the ring and um, uh, John Moxley punched Suzuki in the eye with a microphone because I guess we're supposed to be educated in knowing that Minoru Suzuki is the toughest person on the planet, and he's a legit threat to uh, life and to John Moxley in general. Again, something that you guys would know, something that we would know, but as far as, like, how can you expect the uh, greater wrestling public to know how much of a badass Minoru Suzuki is? That's my one password for the show. Um, and then let's just go and briefly roll through Rampage. Thankfully, it was not as long. Um, we got our... We got our match that everybody except no one has been dying, which is the Lucha Brothers versus Butcher and the Blade. I cannot stress enough how terrible Butcher and the Blade are. There's just nothing redeeming about any aspect of their game. Uh, the the Butcher is clearly doing this as a side job from his band, um, and he puts relatively the same amount of effort into every match, which is, I'm just going to do the match. He often looks lost and clumsy. You would think somebody who's been wrestling as long as he apparently has would be any better at it, and he's not. Um, not interested in uh, whoever the, the Blade is, Pepper Potts or whatever his name is. And honestly, um, this is a mistake. These guys have been in three different factions in one year, and nothing sticks. Uh, they were actually in the same faction together with Eddie Kingston and the Lucha Brothers, and that didn't work. So now they're randomly being put with big money, Matt Hardy and the Matt family, Hardy family organization or something. I don't know. Um, that's a thing. Uh, of course, they lost. So, you know, it was what it was. The match did not uh, interest me at all. And actually, it's kind of sad that the Lucha Brothers took a step down from their supposedly really good match at All Out. But not to be undone, other members of the Hardy family organization, whatever it's called, uh, lost as 
Anna Jay from the Dark Order, accompanied by Tay Conti, beat the bunny. Now, Allie, I love you. God bless you. You're a great wrestler. But I don't know, man. It's just nothing in your career has ever clicked hard as, uh, you know. And uh, I think maybe the move would probably be to go back Shimmer or, or something, possibly try Ring of Honor. Um, but it's just not working in AEW. There's just no excitement behind you. Just a color by numbers wrestler. And you're, you're not – it's like what's that Britney Spears song here? Uh, not quite a psycho, not quite a woman. I mean, you're just like in this weird space of where you, you're you supposed to be psycho, but you're not really, you just kind of snap in and out of it and, you know, whatever. It's not working. Um, Anna Jay um, is apparently the only person in Dark Order that's not hypnotized by Dark Order. And, they, and she works independently, her and Taya Conti do. Uh, and they basically told the Dark Order to get their act together. Uh, can we... Unless we are desperately waiting for, for the next 15 days for Bray Wyatt to resurface as Wyndham Sloan, uh, the new leader of the Dark Order, I don't think we need the Dark Order anymore. Just let him go. you got Daniel Bryan. You've got CM Punk. You've got all of these wrestlers now that are actually legit wrestlers. You can let some of these guys know. go. If it breaks your heart, fine. If you want to pay them the rest of their contract and make sure they get on unemployment benefits, go ahead. But does anybody really care about, uh, what's his name, Adam Angelis? No one. No, no one. Not really no one. Like, no one is interested in this. Does anybody care if Player Uno and the other guys are fighting each other? The, the only guy that anybody really cared about was um, Johnny Hungry, whatever his name was. So get rid of the Dark Order already. Or just have Anna J lead it. That could be another thing. But if you're really waiting for a Bray Wyatt's contract to be up and he can take over the role. If you're not, if you're not anticipating it, get rid of the darker. We don't need it. I hate to be that way, but it is what it is. Um, two straight losses for the Hardy family organization drove Matt to go kind of psychotic. He made the Dilly chant a couple of times, and then he had some weird promo with Tony Schiavone in the end where uh, they took their frustrations out on a random fan of Warren Cassidy. Uh, so he was obviously a worker and a plant from somewhere, and they chopped off his ponytail and beat him up, to which Orange Cassidy made his way in the way Orange Cassidy makes way to the ring for the save. So now we're going to probably see Jack Evans versus Orange Cassidy, uh, who I just learned was Fire Ants in Chicago. Then uh, we got a uh, pretty good promo between Britt Baker and Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho got to air some things off of her chest, good enough for her. Um, I know the AEW fanboys were waiting for the ooh moment and tried to make one up where she said, uh, now that I'm finally free to do my own thing and all the AEW fans are, ooh, like that's something like Sick Burn. I'm not sure if AEW fans know what Sick Burns are because that wasn't one of them. But she did have a better Sick Burn. She talked about how Britt Baker uh, is just like all the other girls that she's wrestled before, that uh, they're pretty, that they get hot shot to titles, and they do the fair amount of sleeping with the boys back. That was ooh-worthy. Um, they continued the thing because, of course, no no one in the wrestling universe except for AEW fans know that Ruby Soho trained Britt Baker years ago. Uh, did you know that? Uh, didn't they tell you that? Didn't they email you before you went to the show? That's the other thing about AEW that bugs me. It's all inside joke again. Like, we're supposed to understand all this. Like, the casual fans don't know who Ruby Soho is or her significance. Right? Fans like us who've been following the product know that history. But even us, we're like, okay, whatever. But I guess it means something to someone somewhere. Um, Britt Baker did have a good line. And I'm trying to figure out why you're lying to everyone, including yourself. Because you have the audacity to call yourself the runaway. You didn't run away from anything. You got fired. Ooh. 
I did, and then Soho retorts, I did, but it turns out it was the best thing that happened to me. That's when the fans go, woo, because it brought me here to AEW, and this ring looking into your eyes, into my eyes, because it, it must be hard with your head so far up Tony Khan's ass. Well, that's pretty brilliant to say. So, um, good enough. We got our fight. We got our match next week for the AEW Women's Championship. Two women that can actually wrestle. And last but not least, we get the TNT Championship match between the Redeemer, Miro, and Fuego Del Sol. Nothing spectacular. It was pretty much an, uh, like a like a bump match uh, for Fuego Del Sol. He got them uh, good good shots in. But really, this is just an, a means to an end. This is going to get us Sammy Guevara versus Miro for the TNT belt, which is a belt Sammy Guevara should have had a while ago, but you know, who was counting? Um, at some point, Miro uh, got the win. He stuffed Fuego Del Sol's keys into his mouth and then put them in uh, whatever he's calling it. He used to be called the Acolyte. Um, now, the Fuego Del Sol did get some good moves in. Um, uh, he uh, had a double foot stomp that looked pretty vicious, and he got some time in. But really, this is just, again, a vehicle to get Miro and Sammy Guevara fighting for the TNT Championship, which will be, no offense to Fuego Del Sol, will be a much better match. So that is it. That's the recap. I'm not giving all my money to AEW, but I'm definitely... Uh, going to probably take a strike away from them. They're not on the list much anymore. I'm not going to actively set my DVRs and appointment times and run home with my uh, with my microwave dinner and sit in front and glue myself every Wednesday to AEW. But I'm certainly at this point optimistic about what they can bring to the table and how well uh, they are going to do going forward. So you know, hey, I'll give them props when the props are due. You know what else is due? The time that we have left to discuss professional wrestling this week. Thanks for joining me, you guys. I really appreciate it. Don't forget, you can find me on all my social medias. All you need to do, wherever you go, wherever you be, is look for Heel and Face Podcast on uh, Twitter, obviously, on Minds, on Locals, uh, everywhere else. I'm there. And uh, you can check me out. How about that? Uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Just like, share, notify, not just my podcast page, but Heel Turn Wrestling's as well. Even though we are getting ridiculous strikes from Cousin Mark, uh, we are still at 106,000 likes and subscribers, and we just love to have more. We just keep growing and keep getting bigger, and once we do that, then we can have more fun things for you. you got to stick with us, not just of our dank memes, but also the podcast that we offer, and every once in a while, you can even get free independent pro wrestling. How much more do you need? Do you need anything more than that? You probably don't. So just stick with us. Keep doing uh, keep communicating. You can communicate with me. Even though I wasn't able to get a lot of questions answered tonight, you can definitely uh, come into the um, you can come into the, uh, the the comment section, and I will definitely try to get with you as far as uh, the comment section goes. So um, hey, appreciate you joining me tonight on the Heal and Face podcast a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary about the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Thanks for joining me. Uh, have a great rest of your evening. And as always, peace.